0: Well, it is a o- little after 9 o'clock, so I guess we'll go ahead and get started, even though we'll probably have some people join in. So if you didn't know, today is the, the last uh, of this series, so we'll be not meeting uh, for the next few weeks, and I think uh, Wayne Cochran will be picking it up with a new class in uh, January. So with that, um, why don't we start in prayer? Father, we are grateful to be able to gather so freely and to have your word to instruct us. Uh, We really have nothing to say um, other than what your word says. We're so grateful that you have disclosed yourself to us. We want to know you. Would you renew our mind this morning as we look into it? Would you give us uh, the sharpness of our minds to just engage it and then remember it and to walk away with it, for Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm a little bit of a one-trick pony, in so much as um, I, the way I approach this is just to try to look at different facets of our topic by what God's Word says. I don't have a lot of quotes from. <laughs> Uh, high-dollar names. Uh, We're just going to look in Scripture, so if you are a shy person and you have not been uh, willing to speak up, this is your opportunity to either speak up and or read because we've got a bit of... uh, Some of these are pretty short and some of them are lengthy uh, quotes from Scripture. But they illustrate different aspects of God's mercy, and mercy is the topic today. Um, I think my... my er are you switched on? My dad. Yep, I am. Yep. So probably my earliest um, memory of the word mercy was uh, when I was growing up, I was in grade school. And my brother and I would come home. Uh, we were latchkey kids. And so we'd come home to an empty house every day. And we would. it was just a known entity that we were going to almost kill one another <laughs> every day until about four forty five and then we would rush through our uh, you know forty five minutes of chores in that fifteen minutes before my parents got home and One of my brother's uh, favorite things to do you probably have seen this before you grab another person's hand, you lace them together, and then you crank down on the, the weaker person until they cry, "Mercy," or uncle I suppose well. My brother was uh, considerably older <laughs> and stronger than I was, so he, uh, he, he usually wound up on the better end of the deal. Um, A.W. Tozer. So if you don't have one of these, grab one from the back. But we're just going to kind of follow this through. Um, A.W. Tozer defines mercy as the goodness of God confronting human suffering and guilt. And I write there, by contrast, we are talented as a society, at casting guilt upon God when bad things happen. We say, where was God when such, a, such and such a thing happened? And then, mercy is a stunning gem, unappreciated, until conviction of sin occurs. Um, we'll just kind of move right in here. Um, under mercy of God, God's mercy is distinct from his grace and patience, but works in tandem with these. And these are just simplified definitions of um, these three. Mercy, God's goodness towards those in misery or distress. That's uh, Wayne Grudem. Uh, Grace, God's goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. Again, Grudem. And you've probably seen the acronym GRACE, God's riches at Christ's expense. And then patience is withholding judgment over time. So before we jump in, I just want to... um, say that we are living in a time when there is such a lack of these three things, mercy, grace, and patience. Um, our society is falling apart around us, um, whether it's, I, I know so many people who are medicated because they are anxious or they're depressed. Um, there's there's a whole host of people around us who have medical issues, marital uh and, and child-parent relationships that are, are severed. There's children in school who are being taught uh, everything but what we would want them to be taught. And they, they're confused. And so th- this is just a, an excellent time to just kind of remember these three things as we kind of approach every circumstance in our life, just to show... Massive amounts of mercy, you, even if we don't know what you know the the individuals are going through. So, uh, point number two, God is the origin of mercy. He prefers mercy over judgment. Aren't you glad for that? Can I have um, four of you uh, take these verses? So, um, Ezekiel, who wants to? Okay, uh, Joel, who wants to take Joel? Okay, Randy, and Second Corinthians. Thank you. And the last one, Ephesians. So these um, just get at the idea that God does prefer judgment, or excuse me, mercy over judgment. So Ezekiel, go ahead. Okay.
1: Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Declares the Lord God, rather than that he would
0: turn from his ways and live. Thank you. And then Joel.
2: Joel two twelve and 13. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, So rent your heart and not your garments. The Lord is God that He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing
0: harm. Okay, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians
3: 1.3. <coughs> Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to
4: comfort those who are in any affliction, for the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by
0: God. Thank you. And then the last one, Ephesians. Did, did I hand out the Ephesians?
3: Does... But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches
5: of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus.
0: Thank you. So, can you guys think of another religion, and and I hate to call Christianity a religion, but for the sake of this question, can you think of another religion that makes so much of mercy, or grace for that matter? Every other faith is pretty much the opposite. And why is that? Um, Because, through the analogy
1: that I was first, that all religions are man reaching up to God but Christianity is God reaching down to man right and so there's there's the 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 understanding from the get-go that you cannot reach God on your own within Christianity
0: Christianity, yes right and
1: and yet with so many other faiths whether it be Buddhism or, or, or wherever you know the idea that you're going to work your way to
0: God or Godhood or you know Nirvana or whatever it be right so, so it seems like in in every religion that I thought of there was an element of um, of works so so what are, what are some of the, the ones that we could just automatically put in so Buddhism yeah I say I mean it your way off the wheel of
1: reincarnation to you know to perfection
0: right so Bu- Buddhism you're not even trying to get within God's grace or, or in, you're just trying to up your ante right so um, Islam would have kind of a, a scale kind of system. You, you would see that also in uh, Mormonism. It, it just seems like you just walk down each one of these and you don't you don 't see the the emphasis on mercy and, and grace that we we do. Um, so point three God or Jesus demonstrated mercy in relation to his own law i'll i 'll read that for us. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple area and all the people were coming to him and he sat down and began teaching them Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery and after placing her in the center of the courtyard they said to him teacher this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery Now in the law of Moses Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman what then do you say Now, they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he strained up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, when they heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone, and the woman where she was, in the center of the courtyard... And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin. Do not sin any longer. So what were the Pharisees expecting him to say, and what do you think was their trap? Yeah, Randy. Randy?
2: Uh, they, it says that they caught her in adultery, so they caught her in the act, apparently, or at least with enough witnesses to condemn her. So they're hoping that Jesus would say, yep, that's what the law says. We're going to take her to the, to the rock yard and stone her to death.
0: Well, the, I guess they had that authority already to do that. So why, why wrap Jesus into the conversation?
2: Well I to see if he, if he would follow the law to the letter
3: or what they understood the law. Okay. The either, either way, if Jesus said yes, then he's known to be merciful and healing, so he will be contradicting himself. If we say no, then he's breaking the law of God. So in their mind, this is an incredibly <laughs> good opportunity. Either way, Jesus will be in trouble. That's what they thought.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder how long they were cooking this one up. Yeah. And and the obvious thing is they didn't bring the guy along with... Well,
6: yeah. I mean, you can't commit adultery by yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how did the Pharisees view mercy? I mean, you've brought up the law already. What do you think?
5: I don't think they I don't think mercy was on their radar. <clears throat> I don't I mean they they didn't get mercy and they didn't give mercy. You know? They didn't they earned what they had. It was due them. People who were less than them deserved every punishment.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Any, anyone else, Randy?
2: And I can see how they got there. Judgment seems, I mean, God's going to judge for sure, uh, rightly, but judgment's just so fun. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, that guy wore a tattered jeans picture, he can't be as religious as I am. Right. Um, and yeah, mercy's a lot harder, but way more important.
7: Yeah.
0: Do you get the sense that the the, the Pharisees were sort of like the keepers, the guardians of this law, and it was like the, the bumpers on the side of a, a, of a bowling lane, and they were like, "No, we're we're staying within these bounds." So let, let's move on uh, to God's mercy is unmerited. So I have Jonah four um, two there, and um, I'm trying to keep this to somewhat of a small quote because we we know the um, the the context that, for there, but here's a historical example of of God's desire to show mercy. These Ninevites were horrific people. They they were known to be um, merciless. They were known to be uh, cruel. They were known for their pride, and they, they had no repentance going on here uh, before God sends uh, Jonah to talk to them. Jonah 4.2, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. So, um, Jonah seemed to have a problem with mercy, and I think it was the, his his notion of the incompatibility with, of mercy with God's justice. So, what are some ways that we have that same sort of outrage? I
3: don't know whether it was... I think the Jonah wanted to mercy for his own country because he knew he's a prophet. He knew the condition of the, his own country. He kind of claimed mercy, God's mercy for his own country, but he didn't want God's mercy and grace for his enemies. So he's got the double standard: uh, for me mercy, but for others justice. Mm-hmm. Kind of attitude. You
0: know. Right. Yeah. To to the. We
3: struggle with that at all today.
0: Right. Yeah. Jonah got his lawn chair out and went up to the top of the hill though to watch the fireworks. Right. Yeah. So, again, how do we struggle in the same way? How do how do we tend to operate more towards wanting judgment? Do you, do you see that?
6: Well, sometimes when you read the news and the bad guy gets it before a trial, then you're like, yes, you know, that's not mm-hmm. what he deserves.
0: Like you judge ahead of time almost, right?
6: Shooter is dead. Yay! Right? I think um,
3: <clears throat> in terms of abortion, <clears throat> you know, we're we're really uh, you know, condemning abortion, but then the church doesn't do much to help help uh, the poor. Amen. Uh, you know, you know uh, and, and teach the poor and, and provide instruction for the poor. Uh, hmm. So you've got to stand up against the evil, but you also got to say, he help these help people. You
0: know, and, uh, right, to the point where we're so infiltrated into our communities that we are able to step alongside those kind of situations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Why are we the... Uh, the massive outpouring of the celebration of the death of Osama bin Laden hmm. across the country, and Jesus died for Osama bin Laden too. You know, I mean he was villain number one across the nation. You know, and, and um, quite a few Christians too were cheering when he when he was uh, taken out. And while he was an evil man and you know did terrible things. You know, where does the line drawn? You know, and how much more evil is Osama bin Laden than me? Okay. Right. Before God, before only God. Yeah. And to
5: to do justice is one thing; to rejoice in the death of mm-hmm. someone is different. There's, yeah.
1: there's, a difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you recognize that justice was done, and go, okay, you know, but but to re- yeah to cheer it, revel in it, it'd be, it'd be you know like. You know, it, it just—I mean, I, I think there's a sense of, of relief. You know, okay, this this terrible person is no longer bringing evil to the world. But at the same time, I think I think the, the, yeah, you know, I get the yeah, he got his, you know, kind of thing. I think that's that's where the problem is.
0: Right. So more of a more of a oh good, this this evil force is stopping right. rather than a good. Yeah. 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 Zach, were you gonna say something?
4: I think it's appropriate to celebrate that because we have good things. I mean, he was doing evil, he died, therefore, better overall outcome for innocent people who are getting, you know, killed or whatever.
0: Right. So, But more in a.
4: You celebrate because of the good that's happening, not because of yep. him getting Because mm. we know where it's you know, possibly yeah. where his soul goes.
0: Right, so the category here that we're looking at is God's mercy is unmerited. And um, I've got Matthew 5.45 uh, down there. Uh, For he causes his son to rise on evil people as well as those who are good, and his reign falls on both the righteous and the wicked. So, you know, you don't necessarily see the word mercy in here. But this kind of reminds me of that, you know, even unbelievers can enjoy God's mercy um, for a time, right? So.
3: I think the one thing the story of this other first one, when Jesus talked is, is that he, he, is actually, he who is without sin among you, the is, first one in the world, and nobody could claim. Mm. They knew they were sinners, so when Jesus said that, that nobody could actually so so everybody left Mm -hmm. but to me this is wonderful the only person there who was without sin is Jesus but he does say to the woman I do not condemn you either go do not sin anymore which means it's like sin has uh, consequences sin has to be punished but Jesus is uh, saying I'm going to pay for your sin so you go he was not letting her go free, you know, from consequences of her sin, but I see it, you know, sort of in between lines, <laughs> he said, I will pay for your sin. Right. And he's the only one who could do that and then from now on to not sin any longer. That just to me it's just a beautiful and he completely turned around the situation of you know, these people trying to trap trap him, test him, right? And actually everybody here was Tremendously affected by his sense of justice, right? Cause, and then, um, and his mercy and
0: kindness. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. You, I think for bringing us back to that, because when you think about it, who, who left first in the... the you know? Older. Yeah, and, and why why did the older people leave first? i
3: have seen more. Yeah. To be right.
0: Yeah, you've got that... I have just a whole pile up of things <laughs> that I routinely think about my past and go, ugh, you know. Let me get back to where we're at here. So the, the next example um, is the Exodus 12 passage. It says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the doorposts, two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of this house until morning. So we all kind of know the context of what's going on there, right? Um, So the Lord was going to pass through, and he was going to strike everybody who's, well, not everybody, the firstborn in the house, right? Um... My question is, what would have happened to an Israelite house if the blood wasn't on the doorpost? Firstborn would die. Firstborn would die. So this is a by faith receiving God's mercy kind of thing. So contrast that with what would have happened to an Egyptian uh, household who had a firstborn if they would have put the blood? Okay thing? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a, a great picture buried in the Old Testament um, in, in this seemingly horrific judgment of of mercy in, in the middle of it. So, yeah, there, there's no no difference mor- morally between uh, these people. They They left Egypt as a mixed multitude. Some were Egyptians and some were Israelites and They they weren't good, they they grumbled all the way uh, until they had enough gold to uh, throw into the fire and out came this (laughs) golden calf, right? Um, So, moving along, we're moving kind of along quickly because there's some questions that I want to ask at the end and also we're we're trying to just look at different um, facets of God's um, mercy. And and in while we're reading these, you're not always going to see the word mercy. Uh, I I looked up in my Strong's concordance um, where mercy occurred, and there are 14 different ways uh, that the word mercy is translated in the Old Testament. So sometimes we'll see that as to love or have compassion, kindness, loving kindness, goodness, to show favor, to be gracious. And the word ransom, which is related to the mercy seat in the tabernacle, and if we have time, we'll kind of uh, take a peek at that at the end.
3: Yeah. Is mercy uh, different in the Greek?
0: Um, I did not dive into that, honestly. Yeah. So,
5: yeah. I I don't want to say all, but as many as I can r- rattle off in my head. God's mercy is to have a purpose, and the purpose is to that the mercy He shows should bring us to repentance, bring us back into alignment with Him and His will. That it's not, it's not just, you know, it, it has it has purpose, it's, it or uses it as a purpose, you know.
0: Right, yeah, and we and I think some of those things showed up um, in the beginning where it's. Uh, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? He's he's wanting to do something. It's kind of like when we show mercy to our wayward children. We're just begging and hoping that it has a result, right?
2: Yeah. But if,
5: you know, if I show mercy to a stranger or to a a um, person who I perceive as doing wrong, many times I'm just doing it, I don't know, to be good or... Because I know better, or because I've been given so much, I give give them mercy. But uh, I, I don't really care. about, I mean, I care about my kids, and I care. I'm not like, you know, the stranger on the street who cut me off, and I show them mercy or whatever. I, I, I'm not, you know, concerned about their soul or anything. You know, I mean, that's something about God that He is working it together, and that He, the repentance and the realignment with His will and the way that He wants to walk with that person is is beautiful and it's amazing.
0: An amazing part of mercy. Right. Yeah, and and that mercy where you're not going to get anything out of it is simply just God's image born in you, right? Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) All right, where are we at? Oh, so we're at point five. God's mercy is not obligatory. Can I have somebody read that? That's a decently long little section. Marilyn, thank you.
5: What should we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? Far from it. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy, and I will show compassion on whomever I show compassion. So then, it does not depend on the person who wants it, nor the one who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very reason I raised you up, in order to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the earth. So then he asks mercy on whom he desires, and he pardons whom he desires. You will say to me then, Why does he find fault? For who has resisted his will? On the contrary, who are you, you foolish person, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this? Will it? Or did the potter not have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one object for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with great patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon objects of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, namely us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews but also from among the Gentiles.
0: Thank you, Marilyn. So you'll you'll see that I've got some of that quote um, boldened. You know where the questions arise: Why does he still find fault? Who has resisted his will? Why did you make me like this? So Paul Paul is anticipating the kind of the negative response um, of his readers. While he's quoting this, why do you think that um, people have a negative response t- to this concept? So what is the concept Well, just, just that God will have mercy on it's according to His choice.
6: They feel like He's capricious. The yeah. He they don't understand that He's God, mm-hmm. and they don't—they would rather be in charge of their own faiths
5: not only their own faith, but
7: everybody's
5: faith. Yeah. God show mercy the way I should show mercy.
0: That is a... Yeah, that, there's, a de- there's a whole lot to unpack there, right? How, how we would show mercy to somebody. Hold on a second. Marilyn?
5: Well, that's kind of what I was going to say. It just... We sit in judgment on, on God, essentially, and say, that's not fair. That's not how I would do it. So it doesn't seem right to us that he... That prepared Pharaoh for judgment and somebody else, you know, for for his mercy. We we in a sense sit in judgment upon his decisions, um, and I think that that's very, very, very common to me <laughs> anyway. To you know, I, it's easy to look at things and say, "Why did you do that?" Right in that very position.
1: That's, that's, that's part of the, the review from Paul, right? Who are you? Who is <laughs> they, yeah. The clay, right? Complain. Complain. Complain back to the motor. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like God
6: talking
1: to Job a little bit. Yeah. Were you there when I did this? Right. It reminds me, and sadly it reminds me of, reminds me of um, the writer, the Jewish writer, Eli Bissell, when he was writing in, in Night, how after experiencing the Holocaust, you know, God is dead to me now. God, God could no longer possibly exist if he were to allow this to happen. And, well, of course, I mean, the Holocaust is about as extreme as you get, I suppose, but it's still kind of the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, no, I refuse to accept that that, that God would allow this, and therefore God must not be. And, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's a very heartbreaking part of that, you know, heartbreaking book, you know.
0: Right, to the point where your circumstance not only... In your instance, was you grade God for what he's doing, but in this instance, you grade him right out of existence for for something that happened. Yeah.
6: This whole thing with Pharaoh, people feel like God was using Pharaoh as a pawn, but taking Pharaoh out was merciful to the Israelites, Mm -hmm. the people that were fleeing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Pharaoh's wife might be like, oh no, God's horrible, but the Israelites are like, Yes. Right. And the Egyptian. Yes. The moral just needed to go. He was probably a terrible, terrible leader. Well,
5: if, if any leader who says, "Sure, you can cause my people to suffer, but I better, you better obey me." Yeah. It's a yeah. horrible leader.
6: So it was better for them. Yeah.
0: Well, in in reality, it'll be interesting if God gives us this little uh, VHS movie <laughs> of <laughs> before we came along. And we're able to look at the life of Moses. Or, excuse me, not Moses, Pharaoh. Because right now we look back and say, um, or could say, maybe not us. <laughs> Somebody else might say, that was mean, God. Why did you, why did you uh, harden this poor dude's heart? You know, uh, It's kind of like, that doesn't seem right, but maybe the VHS version, will be able to see, oh, yeah, I, I see that, well, what what was happening in, in Pharaoh's heart that brought him to that uh, time? Because in in this particular um, portion of scripture, not only does it say God hardened his heart, but Pharaoh hardened his heart, right? Well,
2: also also in that passage, if I remember correctly,
1: it says many times, you know, I hardly felt touched for myself, well, my own glory. I don't know exactly what it means, but clearly it glorifies God to do what
6: he did. Mm-hmm. Because after that, as they were wandering, the different cities had heard of what God had done mm-hmm. and they were scared. So there was a that was a big deal the news went out because Pharaoh was a terrible news? Rahab heard. Yep, yeah, Rahab James heard.
7: heard. Yep.
5: Go ahead. Well, I think part of understanding this part of Romans is looking at the chapter one, where it, it it lays out how you know evildoers they do this and then it gets worse and it gets worse and that God gives them over to their own evil. And I mean, I think that's part of it. You know, chapter I can't quote it, but you know, you're about chapter one. Yes. Yeah.
3: to yeah. 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 Thank you. Because Pharaoh, oh, first of all, it was he has a very powerful person, you know, that type of human history, he thought he was God, yeah. right, so, I mean, right, so so he already had a seed in his heart, that mm. you know, was pride, I am the king, Moses, mm. who are you, who are you talking about, so in some ways, I know in God, he He will do all things for his own glory, even judgment of, uh, you know, he will do his, uh, all things for his own glory, but at the same time, I'm thinking, There was a seed in Pharaoh's heart that was already hardened and toward that I am not. I don't want to submit this God. Moses was talking about.
5: Yeah. And he surrounded surrounded himself with dark magic. And I mean, you know, the 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 magicians could do the same mm -hmm, same things that Moses could do, but less, you know. I mean, it, it was a dark court. It was, it was self-centered, dark. Not thought he was God. I mean, it wasn't just like he was a nice guy who God argued. You know? mm-hmm. He was deep into some yuck, you know.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that same yuck is existing right now all over the place. Emily?
8: Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I think, I mean, I definitely feel like that, like, the sense of wanting to explain, you know, why God would make that choice. But I think, you know, earlier in that same chapter, he talks about Jacob and Esau, and he says, like, before either were born or had done anything right or wrong, he chose Jacob, and Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Those ones are even, like, harder for me to follow, because I feel like the Pharaoh, like, yeah, I can see, like, clearly he was, like, it seemed like, from my perspective as a human, like, he was going to be a bad guy no matter what. You know? Yeah. It's harder for me to, like, reckon with something like Jacob and Esau before they were even born. But I think it just reminds me that, like, I can't, I don't think I can, I mean, obviously, I know I can't figure out, like, God's purposes. It's, like, and what, yeah. And, I mean, a lot of times I just, it's, like, Maryland, that it's, as a human, it doesn't seem fair. Like especially, I, I feel I, I feel like Pharaoh, like he was a bad guy. Okay, you know, whatever. But like Esau, something like that. But yeah, just trust. Like it's just trusting God but it's hard for the <laughs> uh, I I
7: yeah, Eric. I, it, it's also difficult to, to reckon with because we live in a a society that values freedom and individualism. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so that really flavors, when we look at this passage, it's really hard for us to, to encounter that, because mm-hmm. we just live in a world, and there's a lot of good things about that. I'm not, I'm not trying to dog that I'm grateful for where we live and, you know, some of the freedoms we do have. But that also, you know, it, it just kind of, it, it, it shapes our interpretation of the text. Uh, it's hard that we have a, wow, like, I am not in control of this. Uh, so it's uh, I, I've always had that kind of reckon with that when I approached Romans 9 mm-hmm. um, and so mm-hmm. yeah but it's a hard one it, mm-hmm. it really is uh, and so I think that's something to consider as we come to the passage realizing just the oxygen we're breathing <laughs> right now in our American uh, western context of uh, man you know it's, we've got a, a strong sense of freedom and individualism and when we come to God's truth in this way it's just like oh well like <laughs>
0: What? Yeah. yeah I think this, this side of eternity we just have to say okay yeah. I, I, I don't get it but I will yeah. I will I'll be okay with it because in reality um, saying this doesn't seem fair aren't we all exceedingly glad that we are not dealt with by God on a basis of fairness right yeah, yeah. 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 Randy
2: Hey. I hey take a weird, weird randy interpretation of Jesus' growing wisdom and stature to indicate that when we get to heaven and ask questions like, what's up with this thing, We'll get an honest answer. And we'll hear what was actually... I mean, we should struggle to understand this stuff now, but if we can't, we can take hope in that We'll get good answers one day.
0: And even if we don't get good answers, we have to trust that God is far more merciful, graceful, loving, kind, keep the adjectives rolling than, than we ever considered so we can just kind of, it's like, I don't know if I mentioned this last time I was up here, but when I was an early believer, um, I was struggling with uh, men and women's roles and I spouted out some nonsense <laughs> to my roommate who was older and wiser and he's like, chill out, Rob. Uh, you know, it's kind of like when you're eating fish and you come across a bone, you don't just take your plate over and just like <coughs> into the into the garbage can. You pull the bone out and you keep on eating, right?
4: Yeah.
3: I think one thing about God, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think he's intimidated we have an honest question. I mean, I think I think we could ask questions on honest desire to know him. I and mean, even the questions we wouldn't find completely answered because he also said, "Come." let us to reason together. Yeah. He invites us to reason, but we do have, have to have a humble attitude, childlike, you know, like the children have a lot of questions, sometimes they don't necessarily make sense uh, to a right. mind, but they come with a just warning, and God invites that. So that's one thing I really appreciate about God. It's nothing wrong to ask. There was one more thing He slipped from my mind.
0: Right. Yeah, he, he, he can take our questions, right?
3: yeah, oh, this is uh, we, I've heard a lot of questions people, so all these are uh, legitimate questions, right, that we have these question, we cannot really get you know, an answer that satisfies everyone and one question I have is that why why God, holy God pour his wrath upon his completely holy son that was the most un- injustice in the whole human history well, history of eternity, that was greatest injustice but no nobody's asking why did God do that? That's not fair. Right? Right. That that's just really like why, why don't we ask that question? He did that so that he could he could give me mercy. Right. That was greatest injustice, right? If you think about it.
0: Yeah, to to the believer it's like the most valuable thing to the non believer. It's either unbelievable or seems like child abuse.
3: Yeah, uh, but in some ways, it's, 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 it's injustice, right? And generally, yeah. God will give, I mean, whatever it is, justice a <coughs> For God, for his wrath, upon his holy son, who didn't do anything wrong in the heaven. For all the, to me, that is a question. <laughs>
1: But then again, that's the model of the Old Testament sacrifices too. You can get an unblemished lamb, you know, an unblemished sacrifice. It done nothing wrong. Yes, yeah, but know.
3: the difference is those sacrificial animals didn't have a choice; they were
1: picked, right? They
3: that's did. True. Jesus willingly obeyed the Father. And
0: well, and that's the key right there is the willingness. Is the predetermined plan of God. Yeah, Jesus knew ahead of time.
3: But uh, on the surface, actually I can say that's a crazy injustice in, in, eternity, in eternity. Right. But yet I did it. But we don't ask that question. If I wrestle with that, then I understand the depth of God's uh, love and mercy to sinners like me. I don't have, I don't have to ask God any other questions. <laughs> I can ask questions, God, with just a you know, childlike, inquisitive mind, mm-hmm. but now with a rebellious mind. Because sure. he already took the greatest injustice on my head.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, let's jump to uh, point six, God's mercy has a shelf life. And I'll, I'll just blaze through these <laughs> real quick. Uh, it seems we're kind of running short. Hebrews three twelve and 13, Take care, brothers and sisters, that there will not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God But encourage one another every day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 4. Therefore we must fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they did also, but the word they heard did not benefit them because they were not united with those who listened with faith. And then the last one. Hebrews 4, 7. He again sets a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So what, what is the common warning in these verses? <coughs> Don't put it off.
1: Don't wait. <coughs> Don't wait. Yeah.
0: What's the, uh, why, why does time seem to play a role in this? Why doesn't it? <coughs> we take for granted that uh,
2: there will always be uh, another option. There will always be, right? Whether it's available
5: now.
0: Sarah, the, the, the
5: second portion of each of these verses kind of points to that answer. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, and the word didn't benefit them because they were not united with those who were in faith. And then they do not harden your heart. hearts. There is a consequence to knowing the truth and being called by the Lord and continuing to ignore the Holy Spirit's call. to discuss, say, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. He, whether it, it, it's hard to parse out whether that he's going to stop asking or whether we're going to stop listening, but we're hardening our own hearts when we continually say no to God.
0: Right. Yeah, we're distancing ourselves by our sin. Um, it kind of reminds me of that earlier example of uh, the woman caught in adultery and the, young, the older guy's leaving first. They just had more sin piled upon them. And it, Yeah, you, not, not only do you think you might have next week to repent, but next week your heart might be that much further away from God.
5: Where it might stop. Yeah. yeah you don't know your, your time on earth. You don't know what's going to happen. You could be facing God with mercy
7: Mm -hmm. yeah Zachary
4: I think the same perspective has to be put on all the uh, non-believers that we interact with because it's the exact same thing
7: elaborate on that a little bit
4: that they have a shelf life too and so you know if, if there's no gospel centered interaction then your interaction is essentially useless
0: Fair point. (laughs) Um, So I think this is the last one we'll kind of get to. Um, God expects us to show mercy and forgiveness. This is another lengthy one. Could I get somebody to read this one for us? Thank you.
6: The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had, and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the master of that slave felt compassion, and he released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling, and went and threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved, and came and reported to their master all that had happened. (coughs) Then summoning him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I gave you all that debt, because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? And his master, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart.
0: Thank you. So, what are some elements about mercy that we see in this parable?
5: Those of us who receive much, it should be easy and is expected for us to give what it would be little, even though it's hard for us, back to those around us.
7: Good, yeah. What else?
3: First of all, the amount this first person was given was—it's like a like a, a Talent is 20 years of wages. So 10,000 I mean, 10, times of 20 years of wage. It is something this guy could not pay back. So his answer should have been he basically said, give me time, I will pay you everything, everything back. Right. His answer should have been, I cannot pay. But the king nevertheless forgave him, which means he's incredibly generous. He has a compassion and everything. So my conviction is passage is this guy really didn't understand. He was truly forgiven. And that's why I think if we do not know how much debt we owe to God and how much we are forgiven, this is a tremendous... Basically, it's a billions. You Mm cannot pay that. But this guy has a steep pride. I will pay you back. Give me time. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a humility. Asking for mercy. Nevertheless, King gave him mercy. But the evidence of him not really realizing how much he's forgiven is his action. He turned. So if we truly, truly understand how much we are forgiven, I think it's a natural overflow. We don't have, the, almost we don't have to track. We just are in awe of how much we are forgiven. If will naturally... To, to, uh, sure. to forgive others who said denarii is one day of wage. So it's like a 100 it's compared to what he was forgiven. It's really nothing. But the, by the fact he couldn't forgive, it is evidence he didn't know that
0: he was forgiven. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it seems like this is just kind of set up for us to have one example where it's God. We, we owe something that's impossible to pay. Impossible. And over here on this other side, even though 100 days wages, <laughs> I'd hate to lose that, but it's just like, are you kidding me? You, you can't show mercy for that penance com- in, in comparison? So um, why, was, uh, why, why was mercy or forgiveness granted to the first slave at all? I mean, he, it, it, it starts out by saying he was going to be sold in everything that he had, why was why was he
5: his master wanted to. Nothing
3: but yeah. out of graciousness of King's heart. <clears throat> you know, just goodness. out of goodness of his heart he forgave. Okay. You know, forgave the text. compassion
0: Right. What what about on the part of the slave?
3: Yeah. He, he, he asked. What? Yes. Yeah, exactly. He he did. But he said I will pay back, right? I will repay you everything. He really didn't. I don't think he knew what he was. What did he, he ask? For yeah, patience. he
5: said,
3: "Yeah." Have patience, have patience with yourself.
0: me. He said, have patience with and I will repay you yeah. everything. So, so, however impassioned it was, he he sought the, you know, forgiveness. So I want to look at the end of this because this is a, this is a tricky little thing. Uh, Handed over to, to the torturers. And then Jesus says, "If each, um, my heavenly Father will do the same to you if you do, if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart." Let's jump down to uh, Matthew six fourteen and fifteen. For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. James one or excuse me two, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So. How do we reconcile that, the, the lack of forgiveness or hand it over to the torturers is a <laughs> horrible way to kind of look at it, with Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What, what, is, what is happening here? It would seem that being able
1: to forgive would be a component of being one who is in Christ, being able to show mercy. You know, that is part of the fruit of the Spirit, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So therefore, there is no condemnation because someone who is truly following Christ and truly endeavoring to follow Christ uh, will be forgiving and will show mercy.
7: Yeah. Yep.
5: Well, and when, especially to believers, when I don't forgive a believer when they ask, I'm saying, you know what, Christ... Christ died for you, but that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Whatever he did, plus what you owe me, is what needs yeah. to happen for forgiveness. I mean, it, 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 it's just putting myself so far above what the penalty for this is, whatever uh, you're asking forgiveness, that Jesus isn't enough. And so it, it, just, it just makes the sacrifice of Christ so small and insignificant because it wasn't enough for me to forgive you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! When we understand Christ and what He did, we can't help but forgive because it is so incredible. And my dad is so great that whatever you did to me, nothing. Let's move on and, and be wrong together. You know. <laughs>
0: well, and you got to wonder too. You know, Jesus is using um, bo- both in "My Heavenly Father" in this passage, and in Matthew six, "Your Heavenly Father." Uh, he's talking to Jews here, and Jews by, by birthright figured that they are kind of dialed as far as heaven is concerned, right? So I think he was really shaking up their perspective of, um, you know, if, if I'm not acting in this certain way and I'm acting this way, I might need to consider <laughs> whether I should be addressing this one as father. Any, anybody else want to add anything to that? All right, we're going to skip this section on the um, Good Samaritan as well as um, uh, number eight, the mercy seat prefigures God's mercy in Christ. Um, Since they're on here, though, please take them and (laughs) kind of take a peek at uh, what's going on here. And let's jump to um, the application questions. Um, Number one... Uh, think and number two, kind of look at that, but think about them on your own, because that's kind of personal. Number three, can you identify tangible ways that you have been shown mercy? How did it affect you? I might be a little bit of a have to ponder to answer that question, but does anyone have any, just right off the cuff kind of things? I
3: think mercy sometimes comes with a warning. Um, when I was a kid, I, um, I stole something, and he, um, I got caught. And the uh, store owner said, if you do that again, I'll
7: call the police.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Now, that was mercy to give me that warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember that today.
4: Mm-hmm. You
7: know? um, and, yeah. So I,
4: I think mercy comes with a warning,
0: too. Yep. Any others? That
4: dad when I was doing a certain sin I, I told him confess after a long time and then he basically totally unexpected I thought he was going to be mad and I'd have to deal with that and then uh, he basically acknowledged that I understood what I did and said how can I help you not do that in the future huh. that was very
0: uh, unexpected right the, the wisdom of a father there anyone else Okay. What are some ways that we see society acting without mercy and how can we engage those? Anybody?
5: Well, I don't know quite the answer but my my home that I grew up in there was no mercy. There was no, I mean, it's just the, my mom's way and the wrong way, and there's no mercy. And as a, as a believer, she's not a believer, and as a believer and as a grown up, and I look out onto, when she sees something and I see something, many, most times, we are at completely opposite ends, and mercy is, is the reason. Grace is the reason. Mm. And it, it's a reminder that the way that we should be living God's ways, that the way that people should follow him, should not look like how the world does it.
0: Are you saying that she's scandalized the way that uh, an event goes down? Or does she think things should be harsher? Or?
5: Everything should should be, if it's wrong in her eyes, the, 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 the
7: gavel should drop.
5: And fall, and you should be in the
0: dungeons. That's it. Yep, yep. So the
6: the world thinks that mercy should be given to those who deserve it, and Jesus thinks mercy should be given to those who don't deserve it. Right? So you see that, you hear people say, well, he didn't deserve that. And sometimes it's hard to forgive people because you think that they deserve it. But it's not about them, it's about you forgiving. You don't forgive you know, that saying about, it's like drinking poison and
0: expecting the other guy to die. Right. So, got to deal with that. Let it go. Well, and by the the definition, by definition, mercy is not an earned thing, right? The world thinks it is.
7: Yeah.
5: Also, the world thinks that those who give mercy are weak. Yes. And
0: then
5: fact, those who give mercy
0: are strong. So, uh, this will jump back to a question that was related to the the Good Samaritan When when is mercy enabling? I mean, somebody. So I'm not going to say that the Good Samaritan story uh, was—he bandaged him up, put him on his donkey. I can't believe he enabled that guy. (laughs) That's (laughs) not enabling, right? But I mean, we see people um, holding up signs. We see people in such need. Maybe they—maybe they're on drugs. And um, when is it mercy? When is it enabling? How do you tell the difference? You know, it's funny. I remember
1: having this debate multiple times. I uh, had a roommate whose whose belief was like, you know, It's on them? I'm You give them, I mean, you know, it's, it's their thing. But then my brother, who was uh, who is, who is uh, an alcoholic, you know, and was on the street at one point. It's um, clean now, but. Um, you know, he said that the, the worst thing you do is you're going to actually, you will be enabling a drug user to buy more drugs You give them money. They're not going to go buy food. They're not going to go buy clothes. They're going to buy drugs. So he said if you're going to do something, give them food, give them clean socks, give them a blanket, give them those sorts of things. You know, you're going to be giving something to those kind of folks because uh, in his take, it was like you are, um, you know, you're only helping you're only digging them in deeper uh, the way our society works you know uh, because the giving of cash uh, you know that cash is going to going to make things worse for them but if you can give them the things that would that you were hoping they're going to buy with the cash give them actual food
7: give them
1: you know like I said socks a blanket a tent or whatever you know those kind of things that's what he always suggested
7: good good Marilyn I just think that sometimes our
5: society, because of, just because of the reality of what institutions are like, um, mercy is impossible because um, the relationship is contractual rather than covenant, covenantal. And as a believer, I think some—it costs you to show mercy. Like the homeless person who is, you know, sleeping. On the library steps in my town, and I stop by. I could, you know, it costs you to be merciful, cost uh, to just do something like to. As the government says, "Well, we have a, you know, a, a shelter for them to go to." That's not really what is needed in their life. You know, what they need is a relationship. But it costs, and we can't ask. I don't think it's very realistic to ask, like, our society in terms of institutions. I think there are things we should do, but to expect that they will show mercy is beyond the boundaries, the limitations of what they can really do. I right. mean, they can do some things, but they can't really... It's just a human being, or God, to be merciful. An organization organization. Like.
0: Yes, thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming today. You know, I woke up at 4.30 this morning and did not go back to sleep because being up front is not my gig. And I was able just to lay there, though, think about what I was going to prepare. And then I thought about many of your guys' faces uh, in my mind, and my anxiety level just went,
8: whew.
0: And Marilyn, yours was one of those faces. <laughs> so why don't we uh, close in prayer because we're running late. Father, help us to remember uh, the things that we've read today from your word. Um, cause those to have impact upon our hearts. Give us a love for you. Give us a love uh, and compassion for our, our fellow man. Help us to understand ways in which we are not showing mercy and help us to uh, to emulate how you show mercy to other people. Thank you for this class. Thank you for Ben's leadership for the many weeks of just uh, exploring the facets of your character. May we never uh, grow tired of exploring who you are. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.